because listening is actually much harder. Like real, true, deep listening is, it's difficult because it requires such an intense focus and it's not as easy as just not talking. So that was something that I've been really focusing on. And that's part of coaching as well, is really, you know, just being present and listening to the person about what they're saying, which means that you have to resist the urge as, you know, an interviewer, a coach, or just anybody having a conversation, resist the urge to think about what you're going to say next or just sort of formulate your response. Because when you're doing that, you kind of have to stop listening. Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. I'm super excited to dive into today's episode where you will learn how to listen effectively and ask deeper questions in your interviews. But before we do, I'd love for you to join me and other like-minded podcasters in the Podcast Interview Nation community, a Facebook group where you have the chance to connect with other like-minded listeners who are serious about their show and aiming to become world-class. You can join the community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash InterviewNation. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash InterviewNation. As you know, my fellow podcaster, subscribing to the show or rating and reviewing it means a huge support. So if you're getting value out of this podcast and the conversations, please hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now, maybe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so forth. Or you can also rate and review the show on iTunes. If you are someone who is just thinking about starting your podcast, I would highly recommend checking out my podcast mastery course at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. You can also find these links as always in the show notes at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. All right, so for today's conversation, I am joined by Carolyn Kale, who designs employee training for a Fortune 500 company in New Jersey. She's also the host of the Beyond Six Seconds podcast, where she interviews entrepreneurs and other leaders about how they've overcome challenges and obstacles to build their careers, shape their lives, and achieve their goals. Carolyn has interviewed more than 100 leaders from the worlds of business, entertainment, and technology. Carolyn has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Vassar College and a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology from Fairleigh Dickinson University. At the beginning of today's episode, we talked about Carolyn's podcasting journey and why she decided to start her podcast beyond six seconds. In the middle, we talked about how Carolyn finds and books guests for her podcast, how she uses her coaching skills to listen effectively and ask deeper questions. We dove deeper into what exactly Carolyn listens and pays attention to and how she manages to stay present in a conversation. Closer to the end of the episode, we talked about what Carolyn struggled with as an interviewer at the beginning of her podcasting journey, how exactly she prepares for an interview, and how she edits her show. As always, you can check out the free resources, detailed show notes, links, and book recommendations at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, my friend, Please enjoy today's episode with Carolyn Kiel. Carolyn, welcome to the podcast interview mastery show. Hi, Tibor. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm super excited to learn more about you, learn more about your podcast, and learn more about your interviewing style, skills, and share it with the listeners. So you're the host of the Beyond Six Seconds podcast, and As I was preparing for this conversation, I was like, 
Okay, so why Beyond Six Seconds? So why is it called Beyond Six Seconds Podcast? And talk to us a little bit more about the mission of your show. Absolutely. So the Beyond Six Seconds Podcast focuses on the extraordinary stories of everyday people. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, community volunteers, and just people who are either working on interesting projects or developing their careers. Maybe they've done something unique or they've made a big career pivot, or they've just overcome major obstacles in their personal life or their professional life. And the name Beyond Six Seconds comes from a study that I read. I think it's a career study that I read where Mm -hmm. it said that recruiters only look at your resume for about six seconds before they make a judgment (laughs) as far as, you know, do you go in the yes pile or the no pile? And, you know, I I, honestly, I really just kind of needed a a catchy name for the podcast, but that really is the spirit behind it is that I want to go beyond those six seconds and get to know a little bit about the journeys and the achievements and the challenges of of everyday people, like people like Mm. colleagues who you may pass in the hallway or just sort of know online your your even some of your friends like some of the things that they may not share with you because you are just not there for their entire part of the journey that are really amazing and that's how I started off with the podcast was interviewing a few of my friends who I knew from one-on-one conversations had some really fascinating personal and professional journeys but if you interacted with them just through their social media or casual contact and conversation, you would never know the amazing things that they've overcome and achieved. So were you interested in that? So did you want to learn more about those peoples and stories? Because I was wondering as I was doing this research that you are employed and then you started a podcast. So so why did you start a podcast? What was the, the reason basically behind that? So I started the podcast mainly because I was looking for a creative outlet for myself. I wanted kind of my own project that I could be creative, kind of have creative control over, have a vision for it, and also have it do some good out in the world. Mm. So have it be enjoyed by people or even help people, the people that I interview on it potentially. So I was employed at the time that I started it. I'm still employed at the same company. And before that, I had been in a singing group. So that was my creative project for many years. I would go down to New York City. I live in New Jersey, not too far from New York City, but I spent many years going down to the city and rehearsing, performing at all of different kinds of venues with a small group of acapella singers. And that for a variety of reasons that um, I think, you know, a lot of people kind of moved away and, and it got less and less so you know, sometimes we still get together for the holidays and we'll sing around that time. But as far as a full-time project, it kind of stopped. And then I was focusing on work for a while. And then I realized that I really missed doing something creative like that. But Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to travel so much because it was a lot of, you know, driving into New York City is, is never that fun. And I did it quite a lot at that time. So I'm like, maybe I could do something from home. And then because I had spent so much time as a singer and working on doing albums for us. I mean, we literally cut CDs. That's how it's a couple of years now, but that's what we were doing, putting together CDs. We were singing with microphones. So I realized I knew a little bit about recording software, editing software, a little bit about the online audio world, how to use a microphone. So I had already been introduced to that area. So I thought, well, maybe podcasting would be good because I feel like the technical barrier is a little bit lower for me to step over. And then I yeah. do something different with the microphone and the recordings. Wow, that's so interesting, you know, that you have done all those things. I mean, that's that's really interesting to to learn more about that because I haven't expected that. And so I wanted to ask you about your guests because you have had some really interesting guests on the show. So how do you invite them and how do you how do you choose your guests for your podcast? My guests come from a variety of different sources. So, you know, it, a lot of people reach out to me, either, you know, they reach out directly through my social media channels. And honestly, it comes from all of them. I get, you know, DMs on Twitter, requests on LinkedIn, 
you know, Facebook groups and Instagram. So really there's no one singular source that it, it comes through when people reach out to me because, and a lot of times lately they reach out because they've heard one of my episodes or I've interviewed one of their friends or someone that they know, and then they hear the show and they are interested in, in being on. I also now sometimes get referrals from past guests, mm-hmm. which I think is, is a great compliment because clearly they thought highly enough of the experience to recommend other people in their network to be on the show, which is really great. And then I do my own outreach. So some of the bigger guests that I've had on the show, I reached out to them directly and often had to reach out several times. But um, I'm very happy to have gotten some of those guests on my show who are just people that I've admired, whether authors or public figures, comedians, and other people like that. So it's really a a variety of sources for my guests. Wow. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And I just want to make sure that the listeners know more about what you do, because you have a bachelor's degree in psychology and then master's in organizational psychology. So I was just wondering if you uh, use those skills in in your work life or in the podcast, or what is it that you do? Sure. So my full-time job is that I work as a training design manager at a very large telecom company here in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I've worked in the learning and development field for probably about the last six or seven years now at a variety of different companies. So currently I'm designing training for our new products and services that come out. But previously I've designed or delivered training at other companies around shaping the corporate culture um, around leadership development, around, oh gosh, any kind of professional skills where I've been sort of the the one manager who finds people to teach everything from introduction to Microsoft Excel, to leadership, wow. to new hire onboarding and orientation. So it's I've sort of worked in a variety of different types of skills. And I've always had an interest in training. It it took me a while to get there in my career. Before that, I was doing a a variety of things around project management and managing these big corporate initiatives in everything from risk management to data governance to new product development. But um, I always liked the training aspect of that because anytime Mm. you do something new, there has to be a component of training because you have to help people get through whatever change is going on in the organization. So now I'm more focused on the training aspect. And I think I do use a lot of those stills in my interviewing, particularly around coaching, which was a small part of my master's degree. I'm not a certified coach myself, but I've mm-hmm. taken courses on coaching and and read up on it a bit. So some of the questions that I put together in order to have the conversation flow come from coaching. It's the type of questions that a coach might ask you or, you know, in some cases a therapist, although I'm I'm certainly not a trained licensed therapist either, but just wow. restating and and clarifying and just asking open-ended questions. They're they're good ways to ask questions in general. So I weave some of that into my interviewing. Wow. I'm super excited to dive deeper there because to be honest with you, I went through a coach training program at Ericsson International. It's based in Vancouver, Canada. And um, before I started the podcast, so it was before I started started the Mindset Horizon podcast. That's my other podcast that I've been hosting for, for a year now. And it's a personal development podcast, mainly focused on aspiring entrepreneurs to empower them. So, you know, a lot of topics that we talk about is also are also connected to mindset, leadership, overcoming fears and stuff like that. But more importantly, what I wanted to say is before I started the podcast, I went through this coach training program and we learned about, you know, asking questions um, and then listening skills. And when the idea of starting my own podcast came to my mind, I was like, I could just use those skills to conduct better interviews. And, um, I think that helped me to some extent, but I wouldn't say I mastered those skills yet. So this is the podcast where we want to master those skills. But I'm curious what you've learned or what you've used from those coaching principles. Was it how to ask questions or was it the listening skills? And how did you incorporate them in your interviews? I think it's a little bit of both. So one of the things that I really tried to focus on 
when I started off with the podcast, in addition to being able to have a conversation and have it flow and be interesting, is to really focus on my listening skills. And it's funny because I'm not normally someone who talks a lot in general. I'm I'm generally quiet. So I think a lot of my friends are sometimes surprised to hear my voice so much on my podcast. So, oh, really? <laughs> so, you know, I don't talk a lot, so that should make me a good listener, right? Well, maybe and maybe not. Because listening is actually much harder. Like real, true, deep listening is, it's difficult because it requires such an intense focus and it, it's not, it's not as easy as just not talking. So that was something that I've been really focusing on. So, and that's part of coaching as well is really, you know, just being present and listening to the person about what they're saying, which means that you have to resist the urge as, you know, an interviewer, a coach, or just anybody having a conversation, resist the urge to think about what you're going to say next or just sort of formulate your response. Because when you're doing that, you kind of have to stop listening. And yeah. So that is a, That's a big issue there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I always worry about, well, how am I going to keep the conversation going? I worry about when the guest comes to the end of the sentence, it's like, what if I don't have a response? That was my biggest concern when I first started interviewing because mm-hmm. sometimes just conversations in general, it's, you know, I'm not like, you know, it's it, it can be challenging to uh, to do it face to face when you're just meeting someone. But I think with the podcast, it's unique because you can take time to prepare. You know, I may not know the guest very well, but I at least know something about their story. I know what I want to ask them about. I have a few ideas about what topics to cover. Maybe I write out a few questions. But other than that, I try to stay open to where they go and Mm -hmm. just make it a good platform for them to be able to share. So listening was important for coaching tips in terms of some of the questions I asked, a lot of clarifying questions. So if they're describing something, you know, a, a difficult situation they were in about, you know, this happened and then I hit this obstacle and this person was, you know, saying these really bad things about like what I'm just making it up. So if they take a pause, I might say something like, oh, you know, that, or it sounds like you were frust- a frustrating experience or that sounds frustrating. Or I might restate something like, so you were really having a difficult time with your sister at that time. So and the interesting thing is there, it doesn't necessarily matter if I'm right or wrong because the the guest will confirm it. They'll say, yeah, yeah. And then they'll keep going or they'll say, oh no, it wasn't like that at all. It was like this. And then they'll keep going. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way for them to feel like they've been heard, even if you get it wrong, because you're still sort of in the ballpark if you've been listening close enough. So Yeah, absolutely. I think listening is one of the most important skills. The interesting thing is that, you know, I I usually prepare for the interviews, right? And then I have some questions. I have kind of like an outline that I I'm not necessarily following, but I have these questions in front of me. And while I'm listening, I'm also a little bit thinking what the next question is gonna be. And so I think that's that's a distraction. And sometimes I I think if I should just, you know, listen and not look at the questions that I have, you know, ask a question based on the conversation. So I feel that that's a distraction sometimes for me. And I kind of like, I'm experimenting with different styles, how I should do this. But I think deep listening is the key to go deeper with the person and um, uh, follow them where they want to go. But in the meantime, also make sure that the listeners get something out of the conversation and and you bring those things out of the guests that you want, I think. But I'm curious about your thoughts on listening in terms of how do you make sure that you are present and um, what are some of the things that you focus on when you listen? So is it, you know, tonality? Is it pacing or energy? Or are there any things that you particularly focus on when the person is talking? I guess a little bit of everything. And I can't always focus on everything all of the time. Yeah. It's obviously the words that they say, but also sometimes the way they say it. So I notice a lot with guests that if you ask them a question that they're used to getting, whether that's, you know, tell me about yourself or tell me about your new book and 
you know, or sort of what whatever the prepared 30 second elevator speech is. A lot of people mm-hmm. who have been interviewed a lot will have that right away and it'll come off very naturally. It'll be like perfectly formulated and it'll sound like they've practiced it quite a bit because they probably have a lot of practice sharing that type of information. Mm-hmm. But then when I asked a question that maybe they're not used to getting as much or maybe something more personal that they haven't mm. talked about a lot that they've agreed to talk about on the, on my podcast, but yeah. I haven't shared it a lot, I'm always interested to hear how their their tonality of their voice may change. The, the It won't be as polished. There will be more ums or pauses or I just, I find it fascinating. I actually love that. Um, yeah, means that I'm bringing value because I don't want to just do the same interview with the same people who are making the rounds because yeah. people can listen to other podcasts and hear that. I'd rather get to something more personal and unique to deliver that mm-hmm. sort of value to my listeners, whether it's inspiration or just feeling like they're not alone in their struggles or they see someone who's like them, who has been through something similar to what they've been through and really talking honestly about people's stories. Because mm, wow. the thing about stories, we put them together in retrospect. So a lot of times you can't share every single thing about your story. So you edit it together and you put it together. So it looks like the hero's journey, but you're leaving out a lot of, some people leave out a lot of the real challenges, not always on purpose. Sometimes they just kind of you know, forget in retrospect, or it doesn't seem as bad once they've gotten past it, or they don't necessarily want to share it. But I like that stuff. I like hearing the things that don't get shared in other places. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I I, I, I would love to teach this principle to the listeners how to do it, because I think that's how you can conduct great interviews, when you can go deeper and ask something that other podcasters didn't ask before. And um, I was wondering when you get to that point like do you have hesitations to ask those how to say deeper questions or or something like that or do you hesitate when you want to ask something like that sometimes i mean usually in the preparation i try to be clear with the guest whether we have a a pre-call to talk through what we'd like to talk about or when i'm reaching out to them ahead of time i try to share what types of things i'd like to ask them about so for example, mm-hmm. if you have a book, that's one of my upcoming interviews is someone who's written a book and she has she talks about a lot of her very personal experiences. So I may say on the podcast, I'd like to talk about, you know, dig into some of the stories that you shared in the book, like this mm-hmm. one incident or this second incident, so that they're not totally caught off guard. And I always give them the opportunity to say, like, no, I don't want to talk about this topic or make sure you ask me about this topic sort of thing. Um, the only time... Sometimes when I'm in the middle of an interview and I'll ask a question and I don't quite get the answer I'm expecting, usually it just mm-hmm. doesn't go as deep. I may ask them one more time in a different way, but if they don't if they don't go there, I don't push people to go. So, I mean, other other interviewers may decide to do that. I just yeah. decided for my for the per, for the intents and purposes of my show. I don't I try not to do like investigative journalism. I'm not trying to put people in an uncomfortable place. So I'm happy for whatever people want to share as deep as they want to go um, for an, any particular topic. But yeah, that's the only time that I hesitate is that if if it's something that that I've asked them a couple of times during the interview and they're not going there, I kind of assume that they don't really want to talk about it at that moment. So I'll just shift the conversation elsewhere or kind of follow them somewhere else. And we'll talk about another part of their story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, what I wanted to ask you in general, because we talked about listening and conducting interviews, but in general, what are some of the things that you struggled with as an interviewer in the beginning of your podcasting journey? What were some of the things that you remember? You know, I felt pretty good about like the technical aspects Mm-hmm. I felt confident that I could record something and put it out. I think for me, the podcast that I've been doing is when I was starting out, I was really focused on kind of a, a personal development for me. So when I started yeah. out, I you know I was starting out with this interview show, but you know as I mm-hmm. alluded to before, I tend to be very quiet. I don't think of myself or didn't think of myself as 
a great engaging conversationalist in general. I'm not the person who goes around at parties and chats people up. So I'm like, am I going to be able to interview like strangers about things? Like what, how does <laughs> yeah. that work? Am I going to freeze up? Like what's going to happen? So I really didn't know if I would be good at it. I didn't know like if I would ask good questions or if I would know how to react appropriately, if I'd be able to keep the conversation flowing. So in order yeah. to kind of get over that hump, I decided, well, how about I just interview some of my friends first? So my first mm-hmm. episodes are people that I knew either, you know, in my my offline life that I knew from, you know, growing up or people that I had gotten to know online who I I knew that they had good stories because they had told me about it. And yeah. I felt comfortable enough where I could talk with them and it was pretty casual. And I, I figured, you know, if I, if we have a conversation and like, I forget to hit record, they're not going to be mad at me. me out. So, you know, there's always that concern. Um, yeah, absolutely. No matter how long you've been podcasting. Um, yeah. So I started out with friends and then that after about maybe the first six episodes, I started to get more comfortable and say, you know, I think, you know, this will work. I I'm actually doing this. We're having conversations Sometimes the conversations are going on even longer than I, I thought they would, which is a challenge from an editing perspective, but it's great from, you know, as someone who wasn't sure if they could do it for you. Um, and then from there, I started getting more interest. Uh, that's when people started reaching out to me or recommending other people who could be on mm-hmm. the show. And, you know, by then I had interviewed a couple people. I felt confident enough to start talking with people who I didn't know at all and, talking about their stories on my show. So I got better over time. I think it's important. I think a lot of people, when I'm in podcast groups and I see people posting about they want to start a podcast, I feel like a lot of times people worry they have to get everything perfect the first time. And Mm. quite honestly, I don't think anybody gets it perfectly. I mean, unless maybe you're a major celebrity with a whole production studio, maybe most, the vast majority of us really don't. Like you if you go to anybody's podcast who's been podcasting for years and go listen to their first couple episodes, they're going to sound totally different and they may not be as good at all. I mean, you hope that you improve over time. So that's something that's important for new podcasters to remember is that it does not have to be perfect. You know, your audio quality should be good. It should be listenable, but it does not have to be perfect, pristine quality audio. Um, and, and the same with everything else. You'll you'll get better the more you do it. So I would say don't be don't be afraid to start. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that because you know I like to talk about since I have this personal development podcast, the other one, I, I like to talk about the the personal development aspect of this journey because you know in the beginning I was also like I don't know I I think I I, I spoke like two percent in the whole episode and I was really insecure. So that's absolutely a journey and we've heard it many times that you know putting in the reps is important and my mission with this show the podcast interview mastery was to putting in the right reps so it's important to know what you do and how you do it and so it's important to practice the right things to become better at interviewing right because after one year I just realized that I'm not sure if I'm putting in the right reps I'm doing the interviews, I've been conducting the interviews, but am I doing it right? How can I become better? And and so on and so forth. So it's obviously a journey. And I'm curious about your um, interview preparation. So what are some of the things that you do, you know, before an interview, because you've mentioned the pre-call. So I don't do pre-calls, for example. Many people do that. How do you prepare for an interview? What are some of the things that you you feel you must do before an interview? Sure. So once I make a connection with the guest, we kind of decide that we want to do a, an episode of our show together. You know, I, it's funny, I've been doing the pre-interview calls more recently, but most of the time I don't because I usually kind of have an idea in my head. And I've I've now gotten to the point where I can sort of look at someone's story or read a little bit about them. And I I kind of can quickly get an idea of like, oh, okay, I think they would be a good guest for the show if they're interested in coming on. So Mm -hmm. recently, a lot of people really want to do pre-calls. So I've been, I've been doing them more often, but I, but most of the time I don't. Um, So it's definitely not a mandatory thing. I know some people like them, some people don't. So, you know, usually once I schedule the interview, I, 
actually, I set aside one hour time slots. I have a a link on calendly.com that has my schedule and I let the guest pick a one hour time slot for that. And then for that, I'll do some research on my guest. So assuming that I don't, you know, sometimes the guest will send like they have a, a media kit or a website that they send me or something. You know, I'll read through their website. I'll, I'll maybe I'll look at their social media. I'll look at any kind of materials that they send me, just until I can get a, a general idea of their story. And then I usually start thinking of the types of questions I might want to ask them. So I actually I do prepare my questions ahead of time. I actually do write out questions, even though wow. I do not ask them all. That's just my comfort level because you know even after doing like more than a hundred interviews for about almost three years now, I still do get nervous <laughs> pretty much most of the time, even on my own show, which is kind of funny. But um, so but preparing helps me combat that. So I will write down some questions just so I make sure I remember to hit the major topics that I want to cover with them. Um, you know, I'll put together an intro for them that's based on their bio. So I'll I'll ask them specifically, please send me your bio and at least one headshot, because I use the headshot in some social media marketing stuff that I'll do once the show airs. Um, yeah. So I'll get that ahead of time. Then usually a couple days before I'll send a little summary email to my guest that has, you know, the link for the recording, whether it's Zoom or Zencaster or whatever we're using for that. Um, a really high level overview of the types of things I want to ask them about. You know, I don't, when I first started, I would send the questions in advance, but it, I don't really do that so much anymore. But I do send things like, you know, uh, during the interview, I'd like to talk about, you know, your work and your book, including things like what inspired you to start your business and, you know, how mm -hmm. do you get the stories for your book, like examples. So they have an idea of like, okay, this is the sort of thing that I should be prepared to talk about. But it also gives me room to ask other things based on their responses during the show. That's really interesting. So I'm sorry for interrupting, but I think that's an important point there that, for example, I send out the questions. Now, it's it's a little bit different for this podcast that I do for the Mindset Horizon podcast. I usually prepare questions like you do. And uh, I think it's a great thing that you've mentioned that you just kind of send key points that you want to talk about or cover in the episode, but you don't send the questions, the exact questions that you kind of prepared for yourself for the interview, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great thing, I think, to be honest, because my experience with sending the questions to the guests was they found it a little bit overwhelming because sometimes I had 10 questions, right? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know how much time we will spend on one question or discussing one topic. And so I, I they said to me that that was a little bit just too much i mean too many questions and uh maybe it's better to have this approach that you have that you know you just send over uh an, a north star uh intention vision for the conversation so that's a that's a great point i wanted to kind of like get back to yeah thank you i um i i think that most people seem to respond really positively to that. And I think I remember why I stopped sending out the questions ahead of time, because I would have examples where I would send out the questions ahead of time, and then the guest would respond, and they had written out like a paragraph response to the questions. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I didn't mean to give you home, like writing assignments. Like you don't have to yeah. send me this. I mean, if it helps them fine, but it was just strange. Like that's not what I meant. So then it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't send out the questions. I'll see what happens. Absolutely. And when do you send, send out uh, the interview pre-email, so to speak, the preparation email for the guest? I usually send it a few days before. So, um, you know, sometimes it coincides with a weekend because that's when I tend to have time to do things like that. Um, yeah. For example, I have an interview. I have two interviews this week. I have one today and one Thursday. And I sent out those emails, I think on Saturday to both guests because that's just when I had time to do it. So they've had a couple days. But of course, the guest already should kind of have an idea of 
you know, that they know that I'm interested in understanding what their story is. And so it's, so it's not a complete surprise to them, but a lot of times there's a, a long gap of time between when I talk to a guest and say, yes, let's do this. And because of my schedule, sometimes many weeks go by. So in some ways it's a bit of a reminder to be like, oh yeah, remember, this is what we were wanted to talk about. And it usually just helps remind them because, you know, sometimes a lot of time goes by in the meantime. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the other things you've mentioned was being nervous. And um, I wanted to mention editing. So first and foremost, I listened to uh, one of your interviews. I was like, it's, it's very well put together. And I was wondering, so I wanted to ask you about um, how much editing you do, or do you do your editings? Or how do you approach this topic? So I spend a lot of time on editing. It's actually something that I really try to spend as little time as possible, but I still probably spend too much time doing it. So when I first started, I spent like many, many, many hours and it was just not tenable because I was like trying to, well, one, I wasn't as good of an interviewer. So I would have like really long conversations to try and I would try to cut out like Mm -hmm. these long sort of things that just wound up not being as interesting as the rest of the conversation. I would try to yeah. keep a lot of things obsessively. And then after a while, it just got, I was spending way too much time on editing. Although I, I really enjoy it. Um, so, so that's helpful. But I was trying to see if I could spend a little less time on it. So um, I actually yeah. have an editor who helps me, but I still edit the files before I send them to him because- I do the same. <laughs> You know, he does things like, you know, fixing the levels, like if I have audio quality that like isn't good, I'll ask him to do whatever is possible to fix it. And he can, he's better at that stuff um, than I am because he's, you know, he's an editor. That's what he does. But um, I can do some things in, in terms of, you know, cutting out content, cutting out long pauses, you know, adding, I'll add my own like beginning and ending. I'll add the music underneath. I'll try to cut out a lot of some filler words. A lot of times I'll wind up re-recording myself because sometimes like my, you know, yeah. sometimes my, I'm, I stumble a lot over my words. So I, I like to clean up my own things. And it's like, well, I'm here with the microphone. I'm also just like re-record this part, um, and, you know, and then hours go by and that's what happens. But I, I enjoy that. So I have gotten better in terms of, you know, I'll only go through, I only really try to go through the episode once and I don't, you know, I used to go back over it like two or three times and I just stopped. I'm like, no, it'll have to be, it's good enough to go through it once. I'll get all the important things. And then while I'm doing that, the, the other reason I like to edit is because I try to listen for little sound bites from the guest because I'll, I'll copy those out and I'll pull them, I'll copy them and put them somewhere else and I'll use them in an audiogram or maybe I'll pull out a quote from the interview and I'll put that on a graphic yeah. and I'll share these things on social media when the episode comes out. So I'll, I'm listening at the same time for any instant, interesting tidbits to share while I'm editing, and then I just copy it out while I'm while I'm doing that, and then I send it off to uh, to get finalized and and cleaned up professionally, and then uh, and then it's ready to go from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's really interesting because I basically do the same. <laughs> I thought I was the only one doing that, but I'm excited. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I do the same and I usually just go through my own voice so I, I cut out well if I remember that the guest was coughing or something I, I, I cut out those parts but I usually do the cutting and, and I cut out some content from, from my, my voice or, or my audio and then rarely very rarely I re-record my questions so I don't really do that nowadays but I, I did that very often in the beginning so I I remember my very first episodes, I just simply re-recorded the whole conversation in terms of my track. So I re-recorded my, the whole, every single question I asked in the conversation because I was so insecure about my English and stuff. And uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about editing is, is because, well, there is the preparation for the interview that's great, but I want to... Since I focus on podcasters, I just want to, you know, emphasize this that you can edit the conversations and make it better with editing. And I think it's important to look at it 
from an editing perspective as well that it's not a live radio you don't have to conduct perfect interviews you can keep asking questions right and then just cut out the questions that didn't bring any content or value out of the guest right i mean it's really flexible um and yeah because we've mentioned nervousness and and uh that that was the topic that came to mind connected to that, that just don't be nervous. It's a recording and you can do whatever you want to do with that, right? Yeah. And I'll tell my guests ahead of time, like right before we start the recording, I'll say, you know, this is a recording. So if at any point you want to restate an answer to a question, if you, I don't know, need to take a break, if you have a technical difficulty, just say so during the recording and I'll I'll cut, I'll clean the whole thing up in, in editing. Yeah. Yes, I've actually done that. And so that works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. And, um, you know, connected to interviews, because you have interviewed some some really famous people. And I was like, so how much time did you prepare for those interviews with big names? How much time do you usually prepare for an interview? Let's see, on av- probably my average interview, if I think about everything I do to prepare, I'd probably say like an hour for, for like a typical interview. And that includes, you know, doing some of the research on like on their website, on their social media, and writing down some questions, you know, putting together their bio and a little intro. Um, an hour goes pretty fast for for something like that. For some of the guests, especially the the bigger name guests, it can take a little longer. But the interesting thing is that for the bigger guests, usually mm-hmm. it takes usually the thing that takes the longest is getting them scheduled or getting them to say yes. So for, I think my my biggest guest or one of my biggest guests to date has been uh, Carly Fiorina. She's a, she's one of, or I think she's the first female CEO of a, a Fortune 50 company, like, you know, a couple of years ago. She's run for, you know, president of the US a couple of years ago. So she's a relatively, you know, visible figure. And the way I got her was that she had released a, a book and she was doing a book tour. And this was back when we could, you know, in the States go to public places and there were places we yeah. could go to see, see people and, and see authors. So I went and she, she went to our local bookstore. It was like a 20 minute drive from my house. So I went and, and actually got to see her physically there. And <laughs> after the Q and A, uh, and she also started a podcast herself. So I knew she was familiar with the concept and the mechanics of podcasting. So I asked yeah. her at the end of the show if she'd be on my podcast. And <laughs> so, but and so that's the thing is, you know, she was agreeable to it. She's like, oh yes, please talk to my chief of staff who was standing like right on the other end of the room. So I talked with him. We exchanged business cards, and then for let's say several months. I was reaching out to him and just not getting a response, you know, always reaching out politely, um, just be, and I basically had to be very persistent to, uh, to actually get connected. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, obviously she was, you know, doing a book tour. So, you know, and that's the thing is like a lot of, I guess everyone's busy, but especially people who are really in the public eye are extremely busy. So I wasn't offended <laughs> yeah. that I was being ignored. I'm pretty sure there were maybe other more important things going on in my podcast. I believe. But eventually, you know, when the time came right, we were, I was able to connect with the, the other right people on her staff who could schedule us and, and we made it happen, but it took a lot of persistence. So I know, you know, a lot of podcasters have big dream guests that they'd like to have and um, sometimes get frustrated with the best way to get in touch with them. And, um, you know, I still have people that I'm trying to get in touch with that I'd love to have on the show, but I, I think it's just important to realize that you may just have to be persistent if um you know you may not hear back from people after many after many times and if it's someone that even if they say yes you may still not hear back from them for a while for a variety of reasons so i would just say being being persistent but always polite and um you know and just continuing to to do that outreach um not every time but many times you will be able to make those connections and and have those exciting guests on your show yeah, wow, that's pretty amazing. And I don't know what your experience is, but I guess it's it's very similar. A podcasting as a medium became so popular or mainstream or becoming that I think many people would would love to come on podcasts and and it's it's a it's a great medium to to invite people to connect with amazing people. I mean, uh you know, I've been doing the podcast, the Mindset Horizon podcast for a year now and 
I just didn't imagine that I could have those people on the show, like some of my role models, best-selling authors, and people who I admired from the personal development and entrepreneurial space. Like, that's just huge, I guess. Yeah, and I'm always, you know, when people reach out to me, I've, I think my first big guest, quote unquote, celebrity guest actually like connected with me on Instagram. And I saw her wow. like, wait, what? <laughs> Blue check mark. And there's this famous person connecting with me. So that happened within the first year of my podcast. So that was, that was unexpected and very exciting. Um, so yeah, it, it's so amazing. Cool. People really, you know, there's a lot of interest in being on podcasts. I think it's just an easy thing for people to schedule because you don't have to go to a studio or, you know, get a, a lot of, you know, a lot of preparation. Whereas you, if you have to go on TV or something like that. So, um, yeah, there's definitely interest in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, as we are coming to the end of this episode, I wanted to ask you about maybe book recommendations or, or, uh, podcast hosts or interviewer recommendations. So, what is one book maybe or one podcast host that you would recommend to the listeners to check out, to listen to, to read? In terms of a book, and again, it goes back to our conversation about listening and coaching. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite books that I've read a while ago is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, it, it's got a, a lot of great tips, kind of great life tips or productivity tips in general. But, um, you know, of the seven habits, I'd say habit five, which is seek first to understand, then to be understood, is a big one when mm. it comes to listening. Because that really, that chapter really spells it out in terms of what all the different levels of listening from, you know, just sort of, you know, hearing and not really absorbing to, you know, sort of being until you get to that sort of very extremely active, deep listening. And there's all these levels in between. And it talks about what that's like and what it takes to, to advance among those levels. So, you know, I, I, I use it. It's, it's uh, something I aspire to in my listening. And it's definitely something that inspires me as I want to be a, a better listener as an interviewer on my podcast. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Thank you so much for sharing that. So where can people learn more about you and your podcast before I ask my last question? Absolutely. So the best place to go is my website, which is beyond6seconds.com. And that's the number six. You can find all of my episodes there. And you can also sign up for my free mailing list, which I send out monthly. And if you sign up, you'll get a uh, free checklist for getting started with your own podcast, which I put together based on my own experiences. And I know a lot of people have wow. that little checklist helpful. And I send out mailings monthly, so you won't get bombarded with emails. But it's uh, it'll give you a little bit of an inside scoop into what podcasts are coming out next and other helpful and interesting resources that I find throughout the month. I'll share those on in the mailing list as well. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Thanks for sharing. And the links are going to be in the show notes as always. And uh, my last question is, what is your vision, let's say, particularly for your podcast in the future? I mean, I really started it as something to help improve my own skills with mm -hmm. interviewing and listening and having conversations. But as it's evolved, I really enjoy having it as a platform that helps uplift people and connect people with each other. So some of the most satisfying experiences I've had through the podcast are people who have listened to one of my interviews with a guest and made a connection with that guest, whether they're partnering together on a business project or just someone who's had a similar experience with them and they reached out for, you know, to to just learn more about their experiences or say, you know, I've gone through this as well. And my vision, I really I I love to use my podcast as a force for good. And I'm not entirely mm -hmm. sure what that looks like. I mean, I think it is a force for good because it at a minimum is inspiring people and is a great platform for people to raise their voices and share stories who may not normally have had the opportunity to share their stories on, on a wide platform like this. Um, I'd love to use it potentially for, you know, maybe fundraising for causes I believe in, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, and, you know, I, I know a lot of 
I feel like there's a lot of pressure on podcasters, like, I mean, hobbyist podcasters to monetize right away. And, you know, I feel that pressure, honestly, even having done this for years, I haven't monetized. I mean, I probably could if I rearranged the show and, and did some other things. I'm sure there's some opportunities to do that. But for me, that was that was never the point uh, of podcasting. It was really, a it started as a creative outlet. And now I really just... I just love the the connections that I'm making, the connections that I help make with, between my listeners and my guests. And I really would like to get to the point where Beyond Six Seconds can start leading, you know, some forces for, for social good that are wider in society. So I'm not sure uh, what that's going to look like yet, but um, that's sort of a big aspirational vision that I have for the show. Wow. I love that. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, it's it's really, I love podcasting because as I've experienced, most of the podcasters have have a desire to have an impact and, and it's, it's so inspiring. So obviously on the Mindset Horizon podcast, I, I usually have uh, entrepreneurs, but I think podcasters are just so great, even greater. They want to have a big impact. And Thanks for sharing that. And I wish you good luck with these aspirations. And more importantly, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the Podcast Interview Nation community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview Nation. If you want to check out the detailed show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.